Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Okay, I have questions for you. Are you ready to learn about all things user experience? Yeah, that's right. We're talking UX today. I'm thinking about how do we identify weak points in your UX? Or maybe you want to know what exactly it can cost you if you have a bad UX. This is Sastry in the Making. I am thrilled to be delighted by my guest, Simon McCade, a certified UX expert. Simon, how you doing? Hey, Mark. How you doing? I am doing great. So Simon, just a little bit of him so everybody knows who he is. He is a SaaS user experience expert. He's really, really focused on helping SaaS companies drive growth by maximizing user adoption, engagement, and revenue. And he's worked for companies like Hewlett-Packard, Drift, Rogo, Inflow, and many, many more. This guy is one of the best in the industry when it comes to this type of stuff. Uh, He's been featured on the Product Angle Show. He's had articles featured in industry publications such as UX Planet and UX Collective. So when it comes to UX, when it comes to user experience, Simon McCade is the guy to go to. So I am so excited to have him on the show. Simon, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, it's awesome to be here. Really appreciate the, uh, the nice intro. Absolutely. So tell me about what's been going on with you and what's coming up. Yeah, sure. So I think everybody can appreciate it's been a really crazy time recently for very obvious reasons. But I mean, a lot of the companies that I've been working with recently, they have taken this and used it as an opportunity, really, um, to double down on what they're not doing very well um, in the fast space. And more often than not, that is UX. So, you know, they're aware of their weaknesses. So I've been working with SaaS companies in the trenches, so to speak, working with them across the globe, really. Um, I tend to kind of help get involved in the user experience design, help them optimize the UI. Most of my clients, you know, they've got a very kind of small, very passionate team. They're very technical driven, but a lot of them, like they lack design expertise. So they're really hitting the limits of what they can do in-house, essentially. So they built their product. You know, it's functional, but it's often very clunky. and It's very confusing for people to use. And that's why many of their new users stumble at the first hurdle to be honest. Um, it's why a lot of them are getting stuck. So really, the companies I work with, they've kind of hit their threshold when it comes to that growth trajectory. They're really struggling to kind of cross the chasm, so to speak. Um, so yeah, I help get involved in, in optimizing their onboarding process, helping users kind of reach their first success faster and more reliably. But I mean, I suppose the core of the work that I do evolves around the product itself. So helping minimize friction, helping essentially reduce the learning curve of the product for new users, basically ensuring it's as intuitive as it should be, as easy to use as it should be, and as easy to learn as it should be. I think these days, the term sort of user-friendly is bantered around so much. And I think it's really easy to say, you know, our product's user-friendly. But actually, in practice, it's really difficult to achieve, especially when you're building uh, large, complex SaaS products, you know? Yeah, I, I would totally agree. It's definitely something that everybody believes that they have. But that's because you've been in your product for so long. You know it's easy because you've done it. You've used it. You built it. You've been part of it for so long that it's easy to you. And you think that everybody else just understands what you understand. I've been a victim of this myself in the SaaS products I've built out. 
But before we get into more of that, I really want to know what led you to get into UX design and, and all that world. Yeah, sure. I mean, UX and design in general is a passion of mine. I've always just enjoyed making things, seeing things come to life, understanding how things work in detail. It's just always been a passion of mine, to be honest. I've been fascinated with computers from a very young age. I mean, I remember my dad buying me our first computer, family computer, back in the early 2000s, I think it was. That was when we had dial-up. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I was just never off it. That kind of led me on to getting a degree in product design. And then I quickly discovered that that was kind of my calling. I inherently use SaaS products on a daily basis, you know, tools that really form an essential part of my business. Things like Notion and Figma and Slack and Active Collab, all of these products um, are SaaS products that I use to run my business. So I discovered a love for them quite early on, really, and felt like it was my calling. I mean, UX design and design in general is about solving problems. You know, that's essentially what designers are with problem solvers at heart, really. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I know you mentioned it earlier, UX, UI. You know, for those of us like me who don't work in that every day, I think too many of us kind of lump those together and put UI and UX uh, as kind of just all one thing. And, and I would mm. think just going back to when I was starting companies in the SaaS world, I am guilty of that for sure. I would definitely just think of UI. I think everybody talks about UI mm. much more than UX. They don't actually think about the user experience. So how would you explain the difference between UI and UX for those of us who are like me and kind of bundle them together? I think the design community contributes to that confusion as well. We have so many different titles within our space, whether it be UX researcher, usability analysts, UX designer, product designer, interface designers. I'm not surprised everyone's confused by it. It confuses me at times. But essentially, if we look at the core of it, both UX and UI are absolutely crucial to the product success. Um, but they are different. UX is everything that can be experienced by the user, albeit in the real world or, in my case, in the digital space when I'm designing SaaS products. It considers everything that shapes the whole experience. So everything from how the user feels to how easy it is to accomplish a task or how efficient they can do X, Y, and Z. Whereas UI or interface design, user interface design, is more about the overall visual design. So it's what you see. It's the aesthetics, essentially. And that considers all the visual elements that make up a particular screen. So that might be things like the navigation. It might be buttons, the icons, typography, color, etc., etc. But yeah, I mean, in terms, in layman's terms, you're looking at UX being how it works and UI, what it looks like. I mean, it must be said that there is an overlap between the two. And I think that's obvious. And I think that's why there's a discrepancy. But the two can't sort of thrive without each other either. Sure, that makes sense. I would say it feels like a lot of software companies forget about UX or they think about it too late. Do you feel the same way, Simon? Are too many software companies not really putting enough focus on UX? <laughs> Absolutely. Completely agree. I think there tends to be, they tend to prioritize the product's technology, you know? Obviously, early stage companies, they have very limited resources. And I think that's why developers and founders, they get so involved in the design early on of the product. You know, they just end up doing it themselves. I can understand that. But at the same time, there's a huge opportunity cost there. You know, developers aren't designers, right? And, and you don't want to be using your resources to pay people 
um, to do things that, that are completely outside of their area of expertise. So I think ignoring design can have a big impact on the product, but as well as the business. I mean, the average dollar that's invested in UX brings about $100 in return. So the wow. ROI is, is huge. Um, wow. I mean, 40 to 60% of users who try a product for the first time never return. That's why UX is so crucial. You know, otherwise you're wasting a huge amount of resources on sales and marketing, on getting people into the product, showing them what it's about, hoping that they achieve some kind of value from using it, only for between 40 and 60% of them to, to use it once and never return. So great UX can help SaaS companies increase user success with the product and help them retain more customers, boost engagement. And I think all of those are absolutely crucial to driving growth. I mean, not to mention, obviously, having a designer as part of your team can help speed up the development process as well. You know, I mean, products are constantly evolving over time. So I think it's a real shame that UX isn't a greater priority in staff and tech companies. Yeah, I mean, you, if I hear numbers like that, 100 to 1 ROI, then that absolutely is a, is a real shame. But like we said, too many just don't focus on it. And they don't think about it. I, I think they're so focused on the technology, like you said. So let's see if we can help some people out. How can a software company identify weak points in their UX? Yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious answer is to talk to customers regularly. I think your product should be driven by your customer's need. And I think their input is absolutely crucial. I think, you know, their insights are pivotal to understanding where customers are struggling. And I understand and appreciate a lot of SaaS founders and software leaders are already doing that. But I think understanding how you take those insights and how you prioritize that feedback and then how you plan to fix your product, that's absolutely crucial. It's all right knowing you know, what you need to fix and how you need to fix it. But going about and implementing those changes is a big challenge for them. So that's why I would recommend you know, engaging in a professional, somebody who can give you a comprehensive review, UX review of the product. Typically, that involves having a deep dive into the software, you know, starting to look at determining some of the critical design flaws, putting forward suggestions on how you can improve the overall experience. And typically, something like that, the final output you might get is an actual PDF. So um, that would be useful to be able to pass on the developers. You know, that would include things like your screen-by-screen -screen analysis, actionable recommendations on some of the key screens, core workflows throughout the product, and visual examples on how other similar companies resolve these issues. I know developers find those hugely useful. And then suggestions on how companies can optimize user flows. So reducing friction, increasing usability with simple and quick fixes. You know, that's what I think a lot of SaaS companies I work with benefit from. It's a relatively small investment for a ton of value. Those kind of reports, as it were, are then passed on to the development team. Development team obviously then take time to review those. Some companies I work with, they're happy to go ahead and start implementing changes immediately, whilst others prefer to go down the route of validating some of those suggestions by putting together some wireframes. So that would be a case of putting together some loose kind of sketches and wireframes so we can kind of test and, and validate those solutions. And once we've done that, typically that's where the kind of the UI and the visual side of things come into play. And we start putting together some high fidelity visual mockups. And then these can be created and then they can pass it on to the development team. And then they have everything they need to kind of speed up that process. And it's just a continuous cycle. You know, it must be said that the design process is ongoing, especially when it comes to products. The design of any product is never done, as it were. There's always updates. There's always new features. There's, there's always things happening. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very true. And 
just to kind of get back to what you said, what you started with there, Simon, I firmly believe that it's so important to have guides, to have experts, specialists, people who are really intimately aware and understanding of exactly what needs to happen for a particular area. I think when I got started in founding my companies and you know, we as a founding team would all try to wear a bunch of hats. And I think that's natural, if, especially if you're bootstrapped, you've got to figure it out yourselves early and you've got to make sure that you're handling this and this and this and this because you can't hire a team and have hundreds of thousands of dollars of salary tied up. And I even remember at one point I counted, I was serving nine different roles. I had nine different hats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think it's I think it's yeah. natural, but as soon as you start generating some revenue and you're able to self-fund your growth, applying that to getting a specialist in key areas is really, really important, especially if you can get somebody who just guides you. So you don't have to bring on a full-time person. You bring in an expert, a coach, a guide who can just kind of say, hey, I did a review based on this and this. Here is where you're going to see the best lift. And I imagine in the UX world, you're providing a lot of lift for your clients just on a quick little engagement. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, UX reviews are completed relatively quickly. You know, typically that would keep development busy for quite some time because, you know, like a lot of the suggestions that I put forward on these things, that they're obviously to help streamline the core flow, but they can also be applied across the entire product. And I think that's important to note that, yes, you're making, you know, pinpoint requirements around helping the user complete a certain goal, but a lot of those suggestions can be applied across the board. Ultimately, you come out with a better product because of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about how you know, UX, the experience helps retain customers and keep them around. But me from a sales background, I can see it really, really beneficial up front on the sales side. When we're mm-hmm. giving a product demo, when you're walking somebody through the product, I think it would be very, very obvious a good user experience and what that looks like and what that feels like versus yeah. something that's clunky and doesn't have the customer process in mind. So for me, from a sales side even, it's super, super important to make sure that you can show, you can demonstrate how easy and user-friendly the system would be. I bet you would agree. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, we mentioned earlier about user-friendly products or, or that term kind of being banded around quite a lot. I think ultimately, you know, it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing when your user or your, your new customer gets hands-on with the product for the first time themselves. You know, that's the ultimate test, really. Um, you can train them, you can talk them through how to do X, Y, and Z. but the real test comes when left to their own devices and they're left to discover the product themselves. They need to be able to achieve some value with the product as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Another benefit of bringing in an expert, because I, I imagine this UX world that you're in, Simon, you know, I'm sure there's all kinds of best practices and those best practices are constantly shifting and changing it's probably really hard for software leaders to keep up with it all since they also have to keep up with the technology advances and what's happening in marketing these days. And so (laughs) I love the idea because you are the one who really lives in that world, in the user experience Mm -hmm. world. So how are you keeping up with all of the changes and advances that happen in UX? Yeah, I mean, it can be tricky, you know. I mean, the world around us is constantly shifting, it's moving especially as we see the introduction of new technologies and new ways of working and obviously ways of interacting with new products. But UX has has been around for a long time. As far as I know, I think since the the 1950s, you know. Um, Wow. And it's come a long way since then. But 
the fundamental principles remain the same. So, you know, your best practices, I usually say they're always a great starting point and they help you build a solid foundation, but that's going to evolve over time. Um, but what stays the same is you put the user first. And I think some of the, the usability fundamentals around ensuring the product that you're building is as easy to use as it should be. You know, it's efficient for users to learn the design. That's going to obviously enable them to quickly accomplish the tasks they need to get done, especially if it's a productivity app, you know, as well as being memorable. And by that, I mean, if the user was to leave the product and then come back to it the next day, they don't want to be relearning the interface again. So you want to do everything you can to ensure that your users can recover from any errors themselves. You kind of mm-hmm. want to obviously alleviate any stress and pressure on the support team that probably get asked the same questions over and over again. How do we do this? How do we do that? You know. But I think if you go about creating an experience that's satisfying to use, the core principles remain the same when it comes to great usability. I mean, the most effective way I found keeping up with things is just to embrace what you don't know. I think you have to be constantly curious. You have to find a way of learning that works for you. And it's taken me a while to do that. But we do live in a world these days where information is so easily accessible. There's kind of no excuse, be it Mm. using online seminars, training courses, blog posts, articles podcasts, whatever it might be, you know, I think you need to find out what works for you. Um, I mean, for those getting into the industry, there's a couple of giants there that I'd recommend people check out. Nielsen Norman Group, they are leaders in research-based UX and the UX design institution. Those guys have some brilliant resources on there. But personally, I like to listen to audiobooks and podcasts. I can do this whilst I'm in the car or whilst I'm going for a run. So, you know, that works really well for me. Like the Sastry in the Making podcast, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what would you say is a common mistake that software companies make around UX? What happens when you or what do you see most often? You get in and you kind of dive in and start to do a UX review and you're like, oh, oh, no, 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 this will not work. What do you see? (laughs) Uh, How long have you got? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's a long list of things, really. I think certainly early stage companies, they tend to take a bit of a haphazard approach to design. They make a lot of assumptions, both in terms of how they think the product should work, what it should look like, and how they think it will be used by customers. And I think that's quite dangerous. It's not really until customers start using the product that the penny drops and they realize they're not using it as they imagined at all. So mm-hmm. that's the first thing I'd mention. Secondly, I think the problem is that they are constantly working on the product and have been for a while. And I think SaaS companies tend to have a bit of a biased view of their own software. I think we touched on this earlier. And I think they find it really difficult to take a step back and look at things objectively. And I think that's where they can benefit from working with an external expert on these kinds of things. Getting a professional outside expertise comes into its own when that's the case. And then there's just a lot of little small things, really, when it comes to the product itself. But these all add up, you know, they're overlooked and all these small things add up and then they have a big impact on the overall experience. So, for example, it could be misusing certain design components, such as modal windows or various of the form fields or just overcomplicating the product's navigation. I see a lot of SaaS companies, especially when you've got a very kind of data driven product. 
they build out new design patterns. So these tend to take a lot of time to create and design and build, but they do nothing but ultimately increase the learning curve of the product. And the steeper the learning curve of the product, obviously, the less likely people are to adopt it over time. So all of these things really just just lead to a confusing and frustrating experience for users who are just trying to learn the software. So I think, in essence, companies, SaaS companies, should be focused on designing a product that's built on solid UX foundations. I think some of them tend to try and run before they can walk, you know? Absolutely. I think that's very, very common. That happens all the time. But this has been really, really helpful, really educational for me. I hope educational for all of our listeners as well. Well, how can people learn more about you, Simon? How can they learn more about what you're doing, connect with you and follow what you're saying? Yeah, sure. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Quite active on there. So you can follow me on there. I share content regularly about UX and uh, business and design. Betting that, you could also check out my website, simonmckay.com, M-C-C-A-D-E. So on my website, you'll find a ton of useful UX resources, in-depth blog posts on design and business. So you can follow along there. Awesome. And I will put all of that in the show notes for everybody who is listening. So make sure you definitely check that out. Again, we've been talking with Simon McCade, UX expert. Simon, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Please make sure that you are subscribing. Make sure that you are smashing that subscribe button because we're always having experts who are going to come on and give you some insights, some tips and tricks on how to better perform within the SaaS industry. So this has been Simon McCade for his UX expert. I am Matt Wallach. This was SaaS in the Making, and we will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to SaaS in the Making. Join us next episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation. Thank you.